This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, how you doing? It is our expert series. And as you know, by now on Mondays, we start off fast. We bring on Greg Dickerson. How you doing, man? Doing great. Post Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl Monday. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, uh, hey, one of the first things everybody viewing this needs to realize is Greg takes this hour seriously. Uh, he actually pulled over while he was on his on his way to look at deals and stuff and said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to pull over, have this conversation from his car. So do me a favor in the comment section. When you view this, give Greg some love, give him a shout out. Let him know you appreciate <laughs> the weekly sessions because he doesn't have to do them, uh, but he enjoys the conversation and enjoys helping you. So do me a favor in comments right now. Give uh, give Greg a, a shout out. And uh, Greg, why don't you talk about your YouTube channel? Because I watch it and it's awesome. Why don't you give it a plug here real quick? Yeah, yeah. So my YouTube channel is just Greg Dickerson. Uh, my website, gregdickerson.com. It has my YouTube. I also put that into podcast format. So everything on YouTube is also a podcast for people that like to listen to audio. And and I put it out on LinkedIn, Facebook and, and share it everywhere. But, you know, thank you for what you do, Michael. You've been doing this uh, daily thing for what, a couple of years now? A couple of years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes commitment. It takes dedication. I put stuff out every single day. And uh, I know you you put stuff out every day. And you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but yeah, it's important. I remember at one point I started getting busy cause I'm on the road a lot and I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't want to be pulling over and doing this in the car, but you know what? You were like, Hey man, people love the, love the show and love the content. And, and, it, and I see the comments that people make. I don't reply to comments on your channel cause that's your channel. And I try to let, you know, I'm staying away from your audience, let you do that. But I do see the comments, I read them and stuff like that. So it seems like people are enjoying it, getting a lot out of it. So yeah, I think it's important to carve time and, and, and share what we've learned over the you know, our careers and our lifetime. Yeah. And that's that. Thank you for that. And yeah. And just so you know, if you want to leave a comment, go for it. I don't mind this. This is our thing. And, and I hope it grows your channel because again, I watch your channel. So folks, if you watch mine, you need to check out Greg. And the reason you're, you're part of the expert series and I've built the expert series on purpose is everybody is different. You're the guy who buys businesses. You're the guy that develops ground up. You're the guy that's in and out a lot. So that goes to the topic number one of our three-part series. And that is share with us some deals you've done, maybe start in real estate. And then more importantly, let's talk about businesses that uh, have come across your radar. So so what you got, what you've been up to? So, you know, right now, as you know, single family is on fire. So I've shifted my focus to uh, land development. So I am trying to feed the appetite of builders looking for lots. So that's kind of what I'm focused on right now. And I've got some different projects I'm working on all over the place with that. But um, that's, that's uh, you know, where it's at right now. The housing market is just incredibly on fire. You know, most every other type of asset, you know, the, uh, the cap rates are compressed and, and every, every type of real estate, except for maybe office and retail, depending on where you're at. And there's still some good retail plays. There was a deal I just passed this morning that, you know, uh, a former bank that closed, at a prime corner location just was uh, converted to a Starbucks with a drive-through. Mm. So, you know, there's still growth. There's still retail growth. There's still restaurant growth going on. There's a lot of restaurants expanding, a lot of retail expanding. 
um, you know, I saw an old Navy and um, gosh, what was the other retailer that just opened up in a shopping center uh, in a small town just outside of where I live. So retail still expanding, you know, restaurants still expanding, but it's the right kind of stuff. So there are deals out there. And I'll tell you right now, if you're sitting on land or you know where land is, builders are dying for lots and for buildable land right now. So that's a great uh, little play right now, you know, either entitlement flips or take them to full development, to, uh, you know, uh, deliver finished lots. That's amazing. And this just goes to show you, I mean, we've, we've mentioned this a couple of times. We both re read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, decades ago. It's, that's just how old we are. <laughs> decades ago. All oh, that hurts to say. But it's funny. 1997. Again, yeah, I read it for in 1997. Yeah, so literally decades, right? So I was, I think I was probably 99. I, yeah, it had to be 99 or 2000 after I mm -hmm. suffered that huge stock market loss. But anyways, I digress. I, I, we've, I've said this many times. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and I'm like, shit, I need to go be Robert and Kim. You read Rich Dad Poor Dad and you're like, I'm going to go be Rich Dad. This is just yeah. another example of that, right? I look at the current situation and I want to get houses. You look at it and go, you're such an idiot. Why don't you go to the front of the food chain and buy some finished lots or lots? And <laughs> God, I don't look at the problem. Well, it's right just, way. you know, asset prices are just through the food, through the roof right now. So yeah, you can buy houses, but you know, to buy one under market value at a good deal is very difficult. Everybody's yeah. after them, you know, uh, retail buyers are bidding them up. So there are some strategies there and we could talk about that. There's, you know, people call it slow flip or, you know, however you want to call it, but there's some strategies for, you know, for rental houses that, that work and make a lot of sense. But for the most part, you're not going to get a house under market yeah. significantly, or at least a lot of them, you know, right now. So who's paying, you know, and that's what you got to do. Where's the market? Who's looking for deals and go serve that market. And again, you just, you just look at the equation differently than me. And, and I, you know, I'll say better. Well, I, no, let's just say differently, right? Cause it's it, judgment is okay. Just differently, right? You look at the current environment, single family homes, your answer is I'm going to go where, you know, re again, really where not a lot of people are looking, right? All the noise and momentum is single family, compete with owner occupants, slow flip, big flip, door knocking, mailers, all this stuff, all wholesalers. And you're like, nope, I'm going to go to land because not a lot of people are looking at land. And uh, it's just amazing. Exactly. how It's amazing how your mind works. Uh, and that's, 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 Folks, if you're not paying attention to this, we just gave you a place to look that not a lot of, not a lot of people are. So um, I appreciate that. So yeah, and just real quick on that. So you can, you can identify raw land for development if you have a relationship with a seller. Um, I had a good friend of mine that made $10 million on a land flip. He did nothing more than have a relationship with a woman. The property was in her estate, was, I don't know, 100 acres just outside of D.C., he went and got it under contract, assigned that contract, did a wholesale assignment of that contract to a national builder, made $10 million. Didn't do anything. Now, that you know, that's few and far between, but it is out there. It's possible. So it could be something like that. You could find just a parcel. But generally, it's got to be something that's not marketed um, actively because most developers are going to know about the active stuff or it's something that needs a couple little things figured out in order to make it buildable, or maybe it's a redevelopment player, you carve off a piece of an existing property, whatever. There's a number of ways to do it. You can either flip the land raw to a developer, you can get it entitled, meaning um, permitted, ready to build, uh, and ready to put the infrastructure in, assign that or sell that, flip it to a developer, or you can go ahead and take it full cycle all the way through. So that's three different opportunities right there with raw, raw land and building sitting on land that can be redeveloped or, or a boundary line adjustment you move the property line so that it carves off a buildable plat, buildable piece of property <laughs> just amazing just amazing 
So let's let's flip the script again. Of my experts, you're the only one that I'm aware of that's actively looking at deals or businesses. So why don't we mm-hmm. talk about a business or two that came across your radar? Why you did or didn't do the deal? Because it's it's an interesting play. So a barbecue franchise. So um, I've got you know one of my business associates that I've known for a long time is getting into the franchise industry, and he came to me with a barbecue franchise opportunity. They've got three or four locations open. Um, he thinks they have a great menu, great, unique selling proposition and all that and says, Hey, we're going to franchise this thing. We're going to sell, you know, a hundred of them and, and, you know, take it nationwide and showed me all the numbers and said, Hey, this thing's going to be an EBITDA play over five or seven years after we sell a hundred of them. And we'll be able to flip the whole thing for $80 million, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it was a small investment, 300 grand for 10% equity in the company or something like that. I can't remember, you know, the specifics, but something like that. So, so insignificant investment amount. And he was surprised when I turned it down and, you know, and he hasn't really asked me why he just said, you know, I'm surprised you turned it down. And I already told him from the beginning, you know, when he started talking to me about it, I said, I'm not really interested in restaurants right now. You know, it's, if you're a restaurateur, it's a great time. There's a lot of locations you can get into with little or no money and get reopened quick. Once we, once we get through the pandemic or now with takeout, you know, curbside, whatever you want to do. But in general, you know, there's a lot of competition. The food service industry is very difficult right now. And when he presented me the opportunity, he missed three main points that you need to look at right now, especially if you're going to do a franchise concept. So if you're going to be a franchisor and you want to sell franchises to franchisees, there's there's one or two things that are extremely important. He didn't hit on either one of those mm. right out of the gate. So his first few minutes I'm like I'm you know there's no way I'm doing a deal with this guy because he just didn't even think about this and then the last part is he didn't think about the current environment of what's going on and how the minimum wage will affect a barbecue franchise yeah and the profitability of it so his numbers are way off because he wasn't even taking into account taxes minimum wage increased um you know food costs and things like that moving forward um because of what's going on right now so it was really interesting so I turned it down you know and he was upset and, you know, he couldn't figure it out. He said, man, 300 grand, that's nothing. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. I said, I'm not going to throw money away. Yeah. I'm like, you know, this, this thing's not going to work. So real quick, you mentioned right up front, you sort of hit number three, but I didn't catch at least what the two things he missed up front. What were those two things he missed? So the, so all he talked about was how the fran- how many franchises he's going to sell, how easy it's going to be, how much money he's going to make, mm. how much money I'm going to make, how much money the company's going to be worth. He never once mentioned uh, how this is going to be good for the franchisee. Got it. Not once. Got it. Okay. So that's number one. How how you know when you when you have an opportunity, the first thing you got to think about. And I made a video on my YouTube channel the other day where 90% of the people go wrong is yeah. they focus on the money first instead yes. of the deal or the opportunity. So that. right out of the gate, all he talked about was how much money we're going to make, how much money's his, how much money's mine. All this is great, but he never once mentioned how this is going to help the franchisee, how it's going to help the individual, how it's going to be out from day, from from the first few minutes. Yeah. That's amazing. It's that's I get the same spidey sense. I'm now getting more and more people coming to me looking to, you know, be a private money partner, a JV, the money side, all of that. And again, most of them focus on the money or the exit first, which I'm not mm-hmm. interested in, right? Warren Buffett has lots of sayings. The one I love, one of the many, right? Top three is rule number one is don't lose, don't lose money, right? Don't lose your capital. So if you're not talking to, to me upfront about how you're going to control and make sure you're going to, in your case, 300 grand, in my case, maybe 50 grand, um, 
I, the exit's not important to me. There's lots of exits I could do, right? I wanna, I wanna understand how you're gonna de-risk this situation. And I wanna understand your reputation. And I wanna understand how your money's up first and my money's not at risk. It's, people don't, that's, what, that, that's, that's when I run away. It's like when you're out here just looking at the end and not realizing this is gonna be hard and there's risks and this environment can punch you in the nose, who would have guessed uh, politicians are going against the US Constitution, Fifth Amendment, and the taking clause? I mean. Tell me about how, how, how it's going to operate in the real world. Get your head out of the Excel spreadsheet. I don't care about the Excel spreadsheet. Well, that was number two. So number two was, ah, it's 300 grand. That's a drop in the bucket to you. So, you know, that was, that was disrespectful. Mm -hmm. So I don't care how much money you have, you know, how hard I had to work to get where I'm at yeah. and you know how hard I have to work to keep it and to protect it and preserve it. And I've said it over and over again with people that are looking to raise capital. The number one thing that your more sophisticated investors are concerned with is preservation of capital. Yes, We've worked hard. I've been doing this since 1997 as a self-employed individual. And I worked, you know, in the private sector and uh, we're a corporate world, you know, before that from, you know, time I got out of, well, before high school, I was working jobs and I went in the Navy and I worked, you know, couple of different jobs until I started my own company in 97. So, I mean, this is up 30 years, 35 years. I've been building my career and building what I have. I'm not going to just throw it away flippantly, yeah. you know, just because it's an insignificant amount in relation to, you know, what, whatever, you know, net worth yeah. or cash that, that I have. So, you know, so that was disrespectful and inconsiderate. And, you know, so those two things right out of the gate, I was out because I'm yeah. like, this is not somebody I'm going to do business with. Exactly. They're not even thinking about these things. Um, now, there's investors out there, and usually the less sophisticated investors, all they care about is the deal and the multiples and all that. Mm -hmm. That's usually how you know whether somebody knows or not, right? It's kind of like the poker table. Mm. You know you know a sucker the minute he sits down. Yep. And uh, and if you don't know who the sucker is, it's you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that, yeah. Remember uh, that when you walk into a poker room. Yeah, exactly. And you're so right about deep being disrespectful. I, I, you know, I have, I have my core set of people that's pretty tight, you know, probably less than 10 people. But then my, that second one is probably hundreds of people at this point, maybe even a couple hundred. Um, yeah. And every once in a while, probably monthly, somebody in that second circle says, Hey, you know, I, I need this or somebody in my network needs that. And you're right. They're just disrespectful. That's, yeah. And that's you a know, great word. Opportunity is created by solving big problems, serving others, and putting other people ahead of yourself. So the first thing you got to think about is how is this going to benefit the other party? That's number one. Number two, how are we going to make the deal happen? Then you think about how we're going to divide it up, who's going to do what and what share and all that. But the first two things are what problem am I solving? Who am I helping? How am I serving? How can I get this thing going? Then we'll talk about splits and this and that, who, who gets what, you know, that's important, but you got to figure out, do you even have a deal to begin with, you know? Yeah. And when I say, you know, the other thing that was really inconsiderate was not one mention of how that would be good for a franchisee. The whole purpose of a franchise is to have a system and an operation that's going to be successful for an individual. These, these people might put their life savings into this and not once was that mentioned that this is somebody stepping into a franchise because they were looking for a long-term, you know, maybe even a life-changing opportunity to invest their life savings many times into a business. So how are we going to make sure that they are successful and that this is the best thing for the franchisee? So those are the first couple of things I look at in, in anything like that. And then number three, the biggest thing was restaurants are the least profitable franchise you can get into right now. Um, you know, they have the lowest margins, they have the most, you know, the highest labor costs, the highest food costs, you're susceptible, you know, to food cost changes at, at, at the whim of the suppliers, because food's a commodity, it's up and down, 
pork's been through the roof lately with the pandemic, with the supply shortages and all that. He didn't mention any of that, how he's going to mitigate all that. So I knew right out of the gate, his numbers were way off. All he was talking about was how many franchises he was going to sell, how many fees he was going to earn being a, being a franchise seller. Um, you know, I mean, right now, if you want to buy a franchise, man, cleaning, janitorial companies, cleaning companies, staffing companies, um, at-home, uh, in-home healthcare, those types of things. I mean, those are seriously profitable franchises that you can exponentially grow right now that are throwing off tons of cash. And they're great for everybody. They're great for the franchisee. They're great for, you know, clients. A lot. But anyways, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Well, this has been exactly what I was looking for. You gave our audience, again, two things to think about where where some money could be made up, up in land and lots and feeding that. And the other one, you know, if you're out there looking to raise raise some money from from, you know, some people that have it, um, a lot of great tips there, Greg. I appreciate episode number one. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man.